Hey guys, welcome to Escaping the Ordinary podcast. I'm your host, obviously, Ryan Teague from Feather and Fin Photography and ryanteague.co. Now, today, amazing guest, Ollie Sampson. Now, he probably doesn't need much of an introduction. This is actually his second time on the podcast. And Ollie is not only an incredible photographer, artist, but he's an also incredible educator in the photography field and also business and creative field. I'm super excited to bring you Ollie Sampson. So guys, I want to welcome Ollie Sampson on the podcast. This is, I think, second time now on the podcast. Mate, he's on the other line, everyone listening. I just want to, um, yeah, let you know if you haven't checked his work out, you're going to be amazed. Absolutely incredible photographer, awesome friend, artist, and now educator. Been in the education space for a long time, but doing things very uniquely and has done for a while. So mate, I want to welcome you on for the second time. Mate, he's come back for more. Thanks for having me. A treat. <laughs> Yeah. Mate, we were just speaking offline. I'm going to jump straight into Q&A that I chucked up on Instagram this morning and then love to hear a little bit more about Ollie. Love it. Let's start with terrifying. <laughs> All right, here we go. There was a typo on this one, but I'm going to roll with it. As the king of strange, what's the strangest thing you have ever done? Oh man, I feel like I should have like a real useful functional answer for that. Although maybe I do. So when I was like six or seven years old, for some reason I wanted to create a magic potion, you know, as you do when you're six or seven years old. And like, so I've like, holy shit, I've got butter, paracetamol, pretty much anything that was liquid or could go in this like tiny bottle. And I made this stupid potion. I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I was trying to get into like fermenting before I, you know, became a raving hipster back in the day. But my parents found out that that was what had happened because they've like, they've noticed this bizarre smell in the room and they're like, what the hell is cooking up in here? What the hell? And they've opened my drawer where this potion was and they've poured it down the sink. And they're like, dude, what is wrong with this kid? But, you know, and now I like to hope that I've taken that philosophy into everything else I do. Just mix <laughs> shit together. Experimentation, hey? Yeah. Dude, what was he cooking up in there, yeah. right? I'm sure that worked when they threw pills for right. But they're like, oh, he's only six, you know. He's only six. Surely he can't be cooking drugs in his room yet, right? That sounds like a terrible indictment on my parents who were very <laughs> good parents. All right, I'm going to keep rolling. Are you related to Ronan Keating? <laughs> Mate, have you seen my hair? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. no chance. No chance. Have you heard me sing? <laughs> Actually, there is an Ollie Sampson singer, isn't there? Have you seen Ooh, this? Is it? No. Yeah, dude. Talk to me. Yeah, if you spell your surname incorrect, S-A-M. S-O-N, Ollie Samson is a singer. I did not know this. I know there's an Ollie Samson quad biker and we've been like fighting each other for like trying to <laughs> yeah. get domains or social media handles over the years. It's been quite funny. So Google Ollie Samson, not Sam. Okay. okay, cool. Not Ronan Keating. All right, here we go. Will you ever make a book with all this incredible educational content we see on your Instagram? Oh, I, I mean, I didn't see that question. So I don't have like a canned answer for it. Will I ever make a book? It's been, yes, is a short answer and kind of working on it. But the way I'm building it out is quite graphical and design driven because I find that's such a way that appeals to me to like communicate a complex idea really simply. And I think, you know, by the time I get to 50 or 100 of those, I might chuck it in a book. But I'm, I'm making a newspaper. It's funny you say actually. I am I'm making one, but I'm making a newspaper. So like... Instead of a book, it'll be like a massive broadsheet. <laughs> You've got, got to press against your face on the crappiest piece maybe you can possibly get. Because I love, you know, all those zines that you collect when you're a kid. They're such, you're really, you're, you're compelled to open them. And they're so fun to like pour through and mess up and fold. So it'll be a book, but as a newspaper. I don't want to move on to the next question because I actually have a question on this. 100 mixed messages. Tell me about that. So... Pretty much when the first lockdown hit last year, I'm like, all right, got, you know, got a bit of time on our hands. I'm going to, I set a few goals like for the wedding business, like, you know, getting a few things in order, SEO and all of these things that I'd left behind because you're busy in that shooting hamster wheel. One of the goals was to like do 100 bits of advice over 100 days for free on Insta stories. And, um, and that fell over a couple of times, but I picked it up. So it took a longer than 100 days in the end, but I wanted to, you know, I had like eight years of workshop and conference content, like massive, massive amounts of content. And I'm like, let's see if I can like compress them into like one simple takeaway every day over lockdown. And it was like, you know, I framed it as like, a, you know, sort of like a lockdown gift, essentially just going, how can I like give stuff away that's useful? 
And then, yeah, fast forward a year or so and I've kind of like compressed it into a better design takeaway with a few extra things in it Um, and it's 100 mixed messages. So it's essentially like 100 of the most useful things that I've found the most useful that I've learned pushed into this massive PDF. And it's not like long-form complex stuff to inhale or action. I wanted it to be something you could open up at any page and go, damn, there's a, there's a takeaway. Man, I know a lot of those messages were getting, were getting sent around. I had a lot of photographers just sending them to me that I didn't even know of or something and just like, dude, check this. And when I got onto it, I remember messaging and being like, dude, this is the Bible. Like, I don't know, like, and it, ins- it was inspiring. Like, like you said, like that short form, really like creative um, illustrations and stuff like that. It seemed like something that, I don't know, you turn up to a wedding and just by, you know, they turn up, photographer sits in their car, kind of nervous, shit, what am I going to do? Blah, blah. And it's just like, I don't know, you just open that and just be like, refresh. Like, oh, that's right. I can experiment. You kind of help yeah. me there. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Cognitively, like you just, mm. we just need those tiny little bits of permission. Mm. And, you know, the one thing that I realized in the education stuff I've messed with over the years is like, everyone learns so so much differently from the person next to us. You know, you've got people that can listen to a, you know, a three hour Joe Rogan podcast. And then you've got folks that, you know, three hours is way too long and mm. they want to, you know, they don't want to listen to a podcast. They maybe want to, they want to go on a, you know, an immersive interactive learning experience. And what I found was there was, you know, we've got lots of workshop content, we've got conferences, we've got all of those sorts of things. But I kind of like looked at what I enjoy producing and what my skill was. And that kind of solved that problem. It's like, ah, oh, I love short form content. I love design driven content. If I can fuse those two together, I can make, I can communicate all of these ideas in really simple, endearing ways that are, they're kind of like a low barrier to entry. You can just open mm. it anywhere and get something rather than going, hey, I'm going to take this massive program right now. Oh man, like I just love it. Like when I see your stuff, I'm just like, man, it's probably the one thing that stops me on Instagram that makes me actually read it and just share it to friends and just be like, dude, like check this. What do you think about that? I don't know. Like, and, and there's so many people just like, yeah, that's so true. Like, oh yeah, awesome. And it just bro- you break so much stuff down. I think like every photographer, beginner that's been in the game for years, like there's so much value there. I just love it. Like, I mean, I remember messaging cool. you and just being like, dude, I need this. Like, <laughs> give me more. Give me a hundred in one day. <laughs> Inhale. Oh, I'm getting off subject, mate. You've no, thanks for getting into it. What are we doing? FAQs. All right, here we go. In no particular order, uh, favorite film camera, if you could choose one with no budget. Oh, man. Like <laughs> a Rollerflex dipped in 24 karat gold. Yeah. Pretty sure you can get that. <laughs> with yeah. Yeah, you actually can. It's like a bloody sure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like gold plate. It's, it's insane. It's probably got like a Louis Vuitton collaboration <laughs> badge on it or something. But um, dude, honestly, it'll be a TLR. Just that's all you need in your life. Sweet, simple TLR. Bit nice. of glass, black box, the film goes in, boom. Done. Is it a lizard you have and what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> his name is Current, as in like the <laughs> tiny sultana because that's what he was when we first got him. And he's a, he's a giant dinosaur right now. So <laughs> They're such an amazing animal, right? Because like our usual, I'm not a reptile guy. Well, people saw me with the lizard, they probably disagree with that. But, um, you know, I'm, I was so used to animals that give you so much and they like jump on you and all that jazz. I was so used to animals like, you know, they give you so much, they want to merge with you, they love you. It's this, um, you don't have to do much to get their affection, whereas reptiles are the total opposite, right? So when you've got an animal that doesn't give a shit about you and <laughs> frankly he would rather if you weren't there and didn't exist, it changes how you kind of interface with that animal. It makes mm. you kind of like just appreciate and watch it and it's such mm. a... Here I'm getting all misty-eyed over like this lizard that hates my guts. But um, they're such incredible creatures, so very, very photogenic as well. But they will give you nothing. Do not get a lizard if you want to be loved by your animal. <laughs> if, you, if you want licks and uh, pats, it's not You get a golden retriever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Staying on the animals, do you still have your pigs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're enormous. Yeah, They're, they're not piglets anymore, right? They're giant potatoes. <laughs> I met their, um, <laughs> oh, no. their half-sisters the other week. So there's one of a bride, Nina, Nina and her husband, Liam. They have a couple of pigs in Mildura. It turns out they're the half-sisters of <laughs> my pigs. And then I met them for the first time last week and it was so weird. So, yeah, the um, domestic pig market is quite small. <laughs> it's a small world. <laughs> uh, what, what's their names? What's their names? That was one of the questions. French and Saunders. 
<laughs> Dawn French and um, yeah. So well played. I can recommend them. They're not great for an apartment, but they'll they'll terrorize that bookshelf behind you. <laughs> great for an apartment. Two hundred kilos, right? Oh yeah, yep. Easy. Yep. And they're not avid readers, so they're just going to eat this books, bro. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't see them sitting down there. All right, but last one. I'm going to go through. There's still a few more here, but I'm just going to say last one. Wedding related. Is his process with wedding couples unique? There is. You know, curation is like the highest fruit for being unique, I reckon, yeah. Like if you looked at, I'm trying to read into that question and go like, are they seeing something unique? Is that why they're asking it? But um, there's nothing unique about what I'm doing for sure, like in, in the moment. You know, I just focus on being there, caring for them, having a camera and, you know, getting those the things that matter to them, all the stuff that we all really, really care about. But the hard part is what happens afterwards. It's in the curation, it's in the editing, it's in sequencing the story so that that body of work means more to them. And showing up for them means not just being there in the moment, but exercising care in the image selection. And yeah, I think curation is, is the, is the difference. And that's what I try and put a lot of, a lot of muscle into. Let's stay on that, Ollie. Curation. So so you're kind of essentially saying like minimizing the the deliverables so that work essentially stands out and shows more of a story? Almost more in what I'm showing online, yeah? Because like most couples okay. are getting hundreds and hundreds of shots. So, yes. And I, I, you know, I make effort to sequence them properly and, and you know, if there's two strong images, I'm not going to water that down by having six of the same, all yes. of that standard stuff because that literally increases the power of the shots, right? Yes. Through, through that scarcity. They still receive hundreds, but what's really, really important is like showing them what I value and strengthening how that comes across online. And that comes down to such rudimentary, simple, accessible storytelling techniques. Like storytelling is held up to the altar as this massive, like weird, esoteric thing. But there are so many practical, tiny, tiny little things that we can do to tell massive, stronger stories. What are some of them other than curation? Yeah, well, it's kind of funny because this, you know, this one here, I'm going to say falls under curation as well, really. It's like a way that you can make people inhale your body of work more easily and understand separation between the images can be as simple as anytime someone looks at your feed, you have a diversity of really, really tight shots, really, really wide shots. And, you know, there's so many photographers that do that really, really, really well. And the reason that individual images then stand out and are captivating is because they're not complicated by one sitting next to it that is really, really similar. And that's such an accessible storytelling technique. Another one is, you know, diptychs and triptychs. It's like, why would I have 150 images in a blog post? Who Couples aren't going to get value out of that. My, my, job when I'm, my job when a couple's landing on a page is to make them go, holy shit. <laughs> like that's literally it. And there's so many little micro processes that can lead lead towards that. Yeah. So what about essentially a storytelling at a wedding then? Rather than like, yeah, Instagram and platform base, but more or less the practical aspect of, you know, photographing your wedding. Yeah. You have to be getting the right bits for sure. For sure. You have to get the right bits in the moment. So, you know, you want to do your standard storytelling stuff, you know, establish your scene, um, have your near, have your far context, all of those things that, you know, again, he gets referenced a million times over, but old mate Jonas Peterson, the reason that we, you know, he was one of those people where it's like you can find yourself scrolling really, really slowly when you're looking at his work. And that is simply because he is a master of lean storytelling. And it, it might be tempting to put all this other sort of stuff around it, but when it comes down to it, his ability to reduce that story or that moment to three images is what it's all about. It's that ability to say no to the chef not the chef it sounds terrible you know what I mean though yeah and like go oh man there it is right there and I'm gonna you know and that's behind you know magazine editors are brilliant at that that's why editors exist and they're separate to the photographers because yes. you've got a third party in charge of throwing away 95 yep. of your heart and soul you know mm, mm. it's it such a valuable role I was, I was remembering the practical exercise that you you put us all through at science host workshop in New Zealand I think it was like five photos and you, you could only take five photos and you had to tell the oh, story. Hemingway's um, six-word story. Man, next level, hey. Like, makes you just think so much more. And and it was so much... I remember looking through even mine and other photographers that were there. It was so so much more compelling to see that 
like, and you could really see that there was like a thought process. And like you said, the establishing the, the mid, the kind of the tighter and, and then the conclusion on the end of that story. And they were like very sequence driven. It really helped, like, I guess a user rather than just like, like you said, you know, just, I don't know. You just see a lot of images and sometimes you wonder where they point to, which is, I guess, what storytelling is all about and in, in photography as well, right? 100%. And scarcity is one of the biggest gifts. And it's, it's also one of the biggest gifts on the front end. It's like if you, if you have a lack of something, it's going to make you work harder to find that thing, whatever it is. So if you've got no couples, you're going to be extraordinarily more creative usually mm. in putting a folio together because it's going to require a more desperate part of your brain to make that happen. And that's where all a lot of good things happen. With your creativity, Ollie, I think I may have asked you on the first episode, you always like seem to be pushing the boundaries. You just seem to be, you know, when in, every time I speak about you or someone brings you up, they're like, man, this creativity is next level. Like, and, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are going to agree on that. I want to ask you, do you believe that we're all born with similar creativity aspects and we can hone in on them a little bit more, if that makes sense. Like I just, I was speaking, I don't know if that, that question came out right, but like I was speaking to a photographer right last week and he was like, dude, I am not like, I don't feel creative. I, I just feel so like standard in everything I create. And then I see all this, all this other work and I'm just like, man, was that guy born like that? Or could I become like that? That was his question. And that's what I want to ask you. Everyone's bars different. And like, you know, people call it their zone of genius. Yeah. Or whatever. So that's going to, it's going to make it look so much different from person to person. And, you know, people that are saying things like that, they're fighting quite a different fight to what was fought 15 years ago when your ability to see a wider variety of work wasn't as high. Mm. Like it's easy to be bombarded right now. And that's, that's a really massive thing with this. But creativity is just your ability to like pivot around, hate using that word, but. It's your, your ability to turn right when everyone's turning left. Mm. And then not just that, but your ability to put some strategy around that. And that strategy comes from like, what have you, you know, we've talked about this all the time. What have you, eat, what have you eaten? What's, mm. what's your input been? What have you consumed? The most creative shoot that I've done this year that I got the most joy out of was literally me tying together, reading Where's Wally as a kid and playing a lot of video games and then going, hang on, the way that those video games look, if I shoot that way, and merge that with like that intersection of things led to this, like for me, this like massive revelation. And now that's turning into one of the most creative projects I'll ever do in January with this incredible organization, all through tying those things together. And everyone has their own version of those things. You know, they've got their own, you know, the music they fell in love with, the, the books they read or whatever. And the way to like see connections is to, it sounds cliche, but like turn off from the machines that are mm. making you feel bad and see all this stuff from people that have different connections to you that you were never going to make anyway, you know? It's like, no, you have your own. You need to switch off their stuff and turn on yours. Mm, it's and really interesting. twice as awesome as what you're seeing anyway. Yeah. Sometimes, like you said, hey, you just got to step away. You're so tunnel-driven. I mean, when I was speaking to my mate, I was like, man, just, just stop thinking about it for a second and just like maybe step away from work and take a few days off to just clear your mind because you you're trying to be creative. Where I think yep. like, I don't know, I just think like the the most creative times I've had, I've just gone on a holiday and going, oh shit, that'd be awesome yes. to do. Well, let's try that, you know? Yes. Listen to what you're falling in love with. Yeah. And when you're on holiday mode, that's when you have those feelings. It's, it's just pure, it's euphoric, cathartic happiness. Mm. Your brain's just like firing neuron, neurons around and it's, yeah. Listen to the stuff that, that's, again, it sounds super cliche, but it's like, what are the things you enjoy looking at that make you feel good? And then what can you cherry pick from that and apply to your own way of seeing? So what are some things that inspire you to create or to uh, push those boundaries of creativity? Whoa. I want to get the feelings that I get out of music in mm. through image. Yeah, so I'm very cognitively tuned to music and that's where I get the most of my, you know, hashtag feels out of. So if I can like try and like sample a little bit of that and put it in the photos and that, you know, that informs how I think about design elements like space as far as giving images breathing room when they're next to each other, how are they relating to each other? How is there like a narrative arc forming here? It's actually really tangible. 
when when it's thought about that way. I don't inhale too much these days. If I think about what my creative diet is right now, honestly, mm. it's like putting my lizard out in the garden and watching it move around. And they move like Swan Lake ballerinas. I've never ever watched a reptile walk before, right? Who who, the, who would do that? <laughs> and now that I'm doing it, it's like I'm watching his movement and it's so incredibly musical and it's making me going, oh, but now I'm looking at the textures on him and now I'm thinking about this like, oh, what if I like lit him in a certain way and created these gifts and it's making me think about NFTs and all of this other crap just through being present wow. and watching without any goal as part of the process. Mm. Removing that goal, hey, like removing that Dude, goal and being totally. observant. Man, Huge thing. oh, this leads to another thing. It's like, you know, sure, you need a why. Everyone talks about finding your why, but man, I'm all about have your how. Just put a tool in your hand and, and run for it. Putting a why on the front end of things can be so, so crippling. Like, why am I doing this? Who am I? Et cetera, et cetera. When people have asked me what my why is, like, I don't know. I, and I, you know, I don't want to find out. Same with my Enneagram. I don't want to find out what my Enneagram is. I don't have any interest in gaffer taping myself to a fixed outcome like that. Mm. Mm. I guess even because you reduce the possibilities, right? They can present itself. If you totally. think, if you think you're going to achieve an outcome, you kind of start guiding yourself towards that, but stop. You put your blinders on, I guess. Hey, totally. But and at the same time, it's super useful for some people, and that's yes. why, like, I feel like you know, with the education stuff I'm putting out there, I'm outwardly being contradictory from one day to for the next sure. because it's like the only way to communicate a message clearly is to like double down on it, right? But then that message is going to be useful for 50% of people and mm. it's going to be completely irrelevant to the other half. And as long as everyone is able to say yes or no to a message, that's the most important thing rather than, you know, me being right mm. On, mm. A, on a wider level, which could never happen. What's one thing um, you feel like has totally changed your game? Like, I, I mean, how long have you been a photographer for? It's been a while now, right? Dude, I'm terrified. Like, I'm still like, oh, I've just started. I'll just pick up a camera. <laughs> and I'm like, no, dude, you've been doing this like seven years full time. I think, I think seven years full time. What was your background before this? Design at agencies. I made yep. like, you know, interactive flash games for kids with animated characters and stuff. So it was all in that kind of ad creative direction world. When you first got into the photography game and started photographing weddings, Ollie, did you feel like you were creating like, the creativity that we see now or was that really built upon over the years? I felt in some ways more creative with my first few because didn't know the rules and mm. let's be honest, we weren't getting paid, right? You yeah. know, we weren't getting paid. We we're turning up these things for free. We we're like, couples didn't care. They're just like, hey, these people are clicking. We'll get some photos. And yeah, there's two schools of thought on that. One school is like, do your assisting work. And that's equally as valid, I think, as my approach, which was to going having zero idea but i look back at my you know i've got a have you got a Flickr account no nah. you never had a Flickr account you're a young buck you're yeah, probably too old. that's why i've got a Flickr account but i i like go back to my Flickr account and it's got literally my first few clicks and it's still hanging out there and i'm like oh man the purity of seeing yeah. when i first had this thing in my hand i'm like okay that's still relevant like how do i get back to that so i put out a lot of shit i made like blue toned black and whites with like crazy yellow highlights, but there was still this like beautiful, naive purity of seeing when you first picked up a tool. And I imagine you had a similar thing. For sure. For like, sure. What's your I had no idea. To that? Yeah. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. I just rolled into a wedding and just started clicking away. And yeah, yeah. it was like, oh, I'll try this thing and and that thing. And and like you said, like, I think when, when you have, yeah, no, no goal on the end of it and no pressure to create, probably the biggest thing i think for me like my my most creative time was like after i spoke with narab patel and like i was going through a bit of a creative right a few years ago and i was just like and he's like dude just get an airbnb get some friends and just fuck around for a half a day don't look at my work or someone else's work and be like i'm gonna replicate that to the best of my ability go in there and have no idea what you're walking into or care if you're ever going to create something and i look at that and i was like I think I've moved further as a photographer since then, but that work, I don't know. There's something about it. It's just free. It's free of constraints. Has, has it made you like, do you now feel a compulsion to find that half day again? Because it sounds to me oh, that would be the man. most valuable yeah. half day you could spend every six months or? Dude, 100%. It's always in my mind. And like, I try get, you know, like blah, 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 try book it in. And, and I'm, I, I know the value behind that. 
like I just yeah that was that was something incredible and um yeah I think I think more photographers need to do that just like I mean you look at Narav's work like look at you look at the creativity that he's bringing out and, and as he said to me he's like man I don't always I don't get these opportunities at weddings but what I do is I create these opportunities for me at a space that there's no like pressure and I can create this stuff you know and, and it fulfills me and I'm like man yeah anyway and what's also in that is like you know he, he's done a he's done a big body of work I think Meredith mm. uh, I can't remember yeah. last name but and that's you're seeing a friendship on display there. You know, two people that trust each other, and like you can create endlessly if you just have that. Mm. And a more extreme version of that too, I think about is Stefan Sagmeister, this like iconic graphic designer. He is known for a lot of things, but one of the things he's known for too is every seven years taking a year long sabbatical to like wow. re inhale. So he's like every seven years away from the studio, off work, no client work. Um, so the story goes and just inhales. It's like filling up that cup again and it's mm. fantastic. Have you ever got to times, Ollie, in your career where you felt like, yeah, I guess like a loss of, of creativity spark that you feel like you're just starting to turn wheels? Like, have you ever got to that? Because it seems like to the outside world that everything we see is just, you know, just pushing boundaries always. And it's like, man, this is incredible. But honestly, have you ever got to that point where you're just like, fuck, man, like I've lost my, lost my jam. Dude, I, li- I live in that state every <laughs> single day. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even being facetious. It's like, yeah, it, it makes me go, I've got I've to pull away yeah. from awesome things I'm seeing and go. And also because like progressively I'm interested in more boring things, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm in this weird space of going, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm not falling out of love with photography, but... The things I'm interested in now are really a lot less dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to go like, how do I how do I find a thing that's super nuanced? And Instagram's going to hate it if I do that, and all that sort of thing. So every day is the answer. But that's what makes you make stuff sometimes, yeah. Mm, mm, that little bit of pressure there. Yeah. The um, I, I mean, the educational side of stuff. I know you've like we, we spoke about it. You talk at a lot of workshops and, and had your own workshops and been guest speakers at multiple workshops and short everywhere throughout the world. Tell me when, when you decided to go, Hey, look, like let's, let's put something together here on my end. How did that come to fruition? Man, I've, I've had it in my brain for years and years and years. And it was only through COVID where, you know, the, the hamster wheel stuff kind of stopped. It's like, okay, great. Here's the moment to do this. And I've always been more interested in, you know, my background is in design, in product, and in making like bitsy, bite-sized things. I'm like, there needs to be a shop where like it's about small takeaways and there's a space for other people to share learning on there, not just me flapping my gums. And I need to mix everyone's unique, diverse learning style into that. So there needs to be apps, there needs to be short-form content, long-form yeah, just the whole spread basically because, you know, this trip that I went to Antarctica for for a leadership program, it was like everyone that was there and this thing that I was documenting was a, you know, a science leadership program, right? And for that month I was immersed in this space of, you know, the four learning styles that people have and deep diving into those. And I'd kind of done a little bit of that in the ad world. You know, you need to have a little bit of that knowledge of like how to communicate things to different types of people. But this really drilled at home and it's like you need to have content for people who are happy with ambiguity, which I am, which is what 100 Mixed Messages is. It's just like full of everything, right? And you need to have content for people that want a more structured, long-form offering. So I kind of wanted to make a platform that like the way I phrase it was like a candy shop, right? It's just you walk in and there's like candy and guitar pedals everywhere and you step on that one and it sets the room on fire and you step on the other one to play some jazz like... I want it to be fun. And that's what I found was missing a little bit from the education mm. space. And there was a bit of an opportunity there to make playful, diverse learning experiences. Do you think you ever taught, teach any more in-person workshops? 100%. Yeah. yeah. But I'm more interested in doing them a little bit differently too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I've got, we've got one we're going to be releasing in a couple of weeks. It's funny you asked that actually. Yeah, we are releasing one. Um, I'm linking up with old mate Eric Ronald on one. Nice. And what I want to do next year is more around. I don't want to give yeah too mm. much spill too much of the, of the surprise of it rather. Um, but 
yeah, I want it to be a like a not-for-profit learning experience that is non-hierarchical. So I've got a few ideas for how that's going to play out. Because what you find from all workshops, right, and you would have experienced this too, yeah, it's like, sure, takeaways from the speakers are great and, you know, we get valuable stuff from that, but all of those things that happen in between can have a magnifying glass put, put over them a little more, I think. There's a festival in Germany called Fuck the Bands and they realise it's like, People are going to these music festivals and they're not even seeing any bands. I went to a heavy metal festival and we saw 90 minutes of bands over five days because we were too busy doing other stuff. Yeah. So they started a festival called Fuck the Bands and it's like we don't have to pay the bands and we don't have to have all this music infrastructure. People turn up and do what they do at a festival anyway. (laughs) They they camp out listening to heavy metal on their stereos and (laughs) I thought that was quite brilliant. So kind of thinking up an idea like that. So, yeah, I will do workshops again, but probably more along that. Like That's awesome. I love that. I'm going to stay tuned for this when you, uh, when you go live with it with Eric. I'll definitely, uh, definitely send it out to everyone. It'd be awesome to attend. Where's Eric based? He was on the podcast earlier this year. Is he in Melbourne? Oh, mate. I'll have, was he? I'll have to have a bloody red eye. He was. Behind. He was. He's, he's in, yeah, he's only like half an hour away from me, 20 minutes away. So nice. I saw the old bugger two nights ago, actually. So. Mate, that'd be amazing to attend. I know you, you, you're you up the Gold Coast. Was it last year now or even – no, it was pre-COVID, oh, huh? Way pre-COVID, yeah. Brisbane. I can't remember. Oh, God, three years ago, dude. That would have been like 17 <sighs> or 18. What, your 18. age? No, <laughs> 2018. <laughs> oh, 28. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. This guy's been rocking. Oh, I feel 18, yeah. yeah. My hairline <laughs> says I'm not 18. <laughs> hey, um – I have it actually FAQ here that, that someone's put in and, and they just wrote it then. And they said, what are three things Ollie thinks that hold photographers back? Oh man. I, I don't know I what that means. That was the end of the question. Three things that hold photographers back. I guess we're probably saying on creativity or I don't know. Yeah. It's such a cool question. You might have a bit of space here to like edit out and chuck or chuck some elevator music in or something. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> <Good jazz>. <laughs> <laughs> Great question. So three things that hold people back. Man, okay, I want to I want to give like more useful answers than the cliches that I'm like mm. tempted to drop. And I would say like a lack of community can hold people back for sure. And like, actually, this is good. So again, that trip, that South Pole trip, what they were doing there was it was a leadership program, but a big part of it was the idea of coaching, right? And to me, the idea of a coach was always like, you know, there's like bloody Tony Robbins or whatever, mm. and you got to pay massive amount of money and a coach is a coach, right? They're not just a normal human being. What I learned through that trip was, no, no, everyone can be a coach. There's like a set of skills that you learn and effectively what being a coach is, is just listening, asking questions and listening. And something that I wish I would have done quite a bit earlier on is like, we we kind of had that, but we didn't really know it, I guess. But having a dynamic where you have a trusted group of people, whether it's one, two, three people, set some frequency around when you coach each other, but just actively coach each other, like ask each other, how you're feeling, ask each other what your goals are, how you're going to hit them and don't like press anything on it. I've been so in so many situations where like someone wants to press their thing on me and it's like, well, now you're not listening. Now you're, Mm. you're not, if you haven't heard my problem, how are you qualified to answer it? Right. Because everyone's thing's so different. So being in that position means it's like you've committed to asking each other questions and listening. And through that coaching process, you arrive at your answer yourself. You don't have the other person giving it to you. They just ask you a question that leads you to answering it yourself. And that's what being a great coach is. So I would say one of those things is not having like a coaching framework, whether it is in fairness, but like whether it is a paid thing, whatever, Mm -hmm. like mentor, whatever you want to call it, having someone in your corner who's going to ask and listen, I think is super valuable. And I probably wasted four or five years of things that I could have like knocked on the head a lot earlier. Mm. Um, rudimentary things like get a CRM, like get mm. it now, spend money on things like give, you know, you think you're giving a lot, but like give extra stuff and not being, even though things are tough when you start out, finding ways to, you know, over, over, over deliver all that sort of stuff that can come out of coaching. I think mm. I feel like I've, I don't know if I've given away three in that like verbal, you know, wind tunnel that I just, gave. I think so, mate. I think um, I, I look back at, I personally, I just wish it took me two years, I'd say three years before I reached out to some photographers or, or other people to be like, Hey man, like I just fucking can't get the answer to this. I need help. Yeah. I look back and I've had the money to do it when I first started, 
why did I drag it so long? And I think like a lot of times it's like the ego sitting in the way. It's like, you think you know the answer, but you got to go through the process obviously by yourself as well to come up with the, um, yeah, the question, I guess, that you want, want to help with or you want someone to listen to. But yeah, that many times, you know, Gabe McClintock, Narav, Dylan from the kitchen is people who inspire me from the other sides of the world. And then when I like jump off a Zoom call with him, I'm just like, fuck yes. Like, man, like I feel like I'm walking into a new life at my next job because like they're just, that was what I needed, man. And it's hard working for yourself. That was someone that cared about you. And that feeling that like someone else sees your struggles and he's listening, that's a pretty cathartic feeling. And it validates all of the struggles, all of the successes, having someone listen there and, you know, back and forth with you. For sure. And I think, I think that answers that what, what photographers get held back by the most probably, realistically. Look, correct me if, if you've already got a question on this, that this would be answered by, but I've got like a stroke of genius that a friend did years ago. And I always think back to it. She was coming into Melbourne as a freshie and she made a spreadsheet of like, I don't know what the number was, 50, 100, who knows, but she made a spreadsheet of all the photographers in the city and she bought them all a coffee and hung out with them. Wow. And I'm like, me as a person on the receiving end of that email, I'm like, yeah, of course I will. Like, I'll get to meet a new person. Awesome. Had a great coffee with her and, she, you know, she did that at scale and that might be the best 500 or 1,000 mm. bucks you spend on your business. Like... Incredible. They get to, you get to humanize that person. Maybe you pass some referrals, whatever. Yes. We ended up in a, sharing a co-working studio. You know, she came into our co-working studio that we set up because, you know, she was this like ray of sunshine. So that is huge, I think. And so like beautifully and mm. authentically strategic. 100%. What a way to like, to generate community. I mean, totally. from someone that probably, yeah, all the opposite. Hey, Ollie, all, all the opposite, not saying her, but the opposite side of the spectrum is, you know, you go in your office and start hacking away at SEO and start throwing things out there. And, and I guess you kind of hope that people reach out to you or you might cross paths sooner or later down the track. And what an incredible thing. Like that, that's amazing. And, and like We're you said, in, I mean, it's simple coffee. Totally. No, like, Hey, I want to pick your brain. It's yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. Come you let's have a chat and you keep it like, you keep it all about the humanity yeah. and, and you know, we all want to correct, we all want to connect with people and we're in a people business. Mm. So well, we can like keep falling back on that despite the dangling carrot of like the capitalist apocalypse, the, <laughs> the better I think, because that success comes out of the people side of things anyway. You know, it comes out of meeting and giving and all of that stuff and doing things for the right reasons. Mm. I want to flip it here, Ollie. I, I have a question for you. You probably don't have a definite answer to this. But first thing that comes to mind when I say, where do you think the wedding industry is going to be in 10 years time? Man, pretty exciting. You're going to have a lot of, um, you know, you've already, I, I love it because we've already got all these like super young folk into mm. it and they're crazy good. Like, I don't want to say the cameras are doing a lot of the work, right? But whatever it is, mm -hmm. the standard is a lot higher now than when I started. And I felt like the shit fight with gear and infrastructure was very, very different thing. Now you've got people that are like, they're on top of all that and they're crazily talented. They're getting good really fast. They're getting the business stuff sorted. Like my community, myself included, we, we faffed around on that side of things for ages where you've got this new wave that have got that unlock. So I think it's going to get pretty exciting because it changes. It speeds things up a little and it adds diversity. And then in 10 years, dude, who knows? Well, we, okay, <laughs> we're going to be in, meta, in the metaverse, right? Yeah. No one's going to be getting married in the real world. We're all going to be getting married in the metaverse. And like someone's going to be the first metaverse wedding photographer. <laughs> I've got a feeling it's going to be you, mate. So get in there. And you're going to, you're going to give the wedding photos to them as an NFT, NFT. or like 800 <laughs> NFTs. Mate, who knows? Like, like you said, someone's going to be the first couple to get married in the metaverse. 100%. That sounds ridiculous. It's going to happen. You're going to put your word on it? Name on it. Yeah. All right. 100%. Someone we'll, will do it just for shits and giggles, but they'll we'll come back in 10 years. And we'll come back in 10 years. <laughs> oh, mate, I reckon it'll be next year. <laughs> next year. Solid. Bringing it back to probably what more, <laughs> I guess, the audience probably relate to, which is the, the advancement, I guess, of the industry as a, as a large, right? Which is fucking next level. Hey, like, I mean, I haven't been in it that long, but yeah, the I mean, the as you know, like I know we don't like talking about that, but like the use of camera systems, I mean, they pretty much do everything for you now. If you just Dude, talk about do. focus, right? Like the simplistic thing, which, yeah, I mean, what was your first camera that you shot a wedding on? 
Uh, it would have been a 40D, I think. <laughs> and I got a 5D mark. One, like, yeah, like, Thick. yeah, we're talking like in the trenches and, um, you know, J- full JPEG vibes and then, and then roars and you're switching cards. Like it's, it was hectic and it took an entire night to offload images because there was no proper card readers. They did not exist. So you'd have to get <laughs> cards. It was crazy. You would wait like four or five seconds for a raw file to come off. Solid. Now it's like we've got outsourced editing pipelines that are super quick. We've got cameras that are incredibly forgiving. Yeah. It's totally changed. So I think what we're going to see, to be honest, is like we're going to see a few things. We'll see like a real high level of service happening in what, couples are getting because mm. the photos mm. are all good. Everyone's doing good photos. But I also think we will see, continue to see anyway, a massive um, up spike in how people are how people are communicating through images differently using the world of analog or analog techniques on digital or like how are you making something feel, feel something different in that image to what everyone else is doing. I think that will increase dramatically because people always want to feel like they're getting something a little bit yeah. You know, left of center. So there'll still be that opportunity, I think. It's interesting because like the advancement in technology is obviously, I mean, when you were back on your original cameras, was focus a major issue that like you're Dude, just constantly struggling tremendous. with, hey, right? I would take 10 shots yeah. of a thing because I couldn't rely on focus. You knew you couldn't trust your camera, so you worked around it by <laughs> overshooting. <Yeah. laughs> it's like the it just reduces that barrier to entry to produce a photograph at least a deliverable photograph if whatever that thing whatever deliverable means to you but right and then like you said like so then the the masses generally are like okay cool well i can do this now i I don't have to go down that path that ollie had to and and you know blah 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 which is fine like it doesn't mean that you're less of a human if you're listening to that but like ollie i mean what i'm taking from that is induces a lot more work in the industry and a lot more content etc but then it's like the creativity that people are going to bring because of how advanced now things are coming along, right? Like different worlds being created. You know what never, ever goes out of style, no matter what tech is there, you know what skill is always going to stick around? It's the ability to tell a great story. That sounds whack, but doesn't matter what you're making it on. If you can make someone feel something, that's where the equity is. Mm. I think I told you I did that workshop with Craig Tuffin and did a yeah tintype workshop. Shot my first tintype, man. Showing a uh, Rick Rick the other day the tintype from it, and I nearly got in tears again showing him. And he's like, "Dude, why are you feeling emotional?" I was like, "Oh man, I feel emotional talking about." It. I'm like, "Dude, the way that was produced was just so it was memorable. It was something that like will stay with me forever." And I'm like, "Man, look at the." antique equipment we're using and this thing that like was made with hands moves me more than like the perfection of a jpeg and and delivered with the pristinest quality ever from the cameras these days but like you said i mean that that storytelling aspect yeah like a camera can take a photo but it can't tell a story you know yep simple as that hey so i think totally something always in mind a storytelling i think yeah, like you, you always seem to, when you post your stuff on Instagram and stuff like that, are you thinking of that? Are you thinking, what's someone going to think when they see this? Sometimes, because I have some meetings with couples, right, and they'll they'll reference a shot or a particular type of shot that I know does terribly on Instagram, right? And it just reaffirms me. It's like, oh, those people are watching, right? So yeah, not wow. everyone that's a client or a future customer is interacting at all on any of your platforms, right? But the important eyeballs are always out there. And I think that's why it's always worth taking the risk because you just don't know who's watching, right? Mm. And the lowest barrier to entry is liking something and commenting on it or whatever, but you don't know if the people who are going to buy from you and like fall in love with you are just watching and just they just don't happen to interact with the app. It's Mm. fine. So that was really freeing. So I make sure, to answer your question, I make sure I put up stuff that's a little bit polarizing and, you know, kind of crusty as far as the algorithm goes. And I'm, I'm more and more now leaning back into putting stuff I want on there. It seems as you've always kind of gone your way with the, the photography. It seems as though like you're never really following a trend. There's always this like Ollie nostalgic, I guess, when we see your work. It's tough because at the same time, like people want to feel, you know, the people that are going to book me, they want to feel safe. They, wanna, they just want to have their day covered nicely, right? And know that I'm not going to share compromising things. Mm. and. 
you know, I heard a really, I heard a great podcast. I think um, Sam Blake was on it, but she was talking about how she she won't show anything remotely risky from like, you know, people getting drunk on the dance floor, that sort of thing, because for her market, they find, I don't want to paraphrase too much, yeah. but, you know, she has said this on the podcast, but it's basically the people she's wanting to appeal, appeal to want to feel safe. They want to feel like they're not going to have those things out there. And I found that really, really interesting. So um, to speak to that, my version of that is going, okay, who are my people? What do they, what do yeah. they want to see on there? And like trying to constantly tap more into that, I guess. You know, last year I got into a, quite a wild cycle of like maniacal sharing and tagging everything. And it's like, wow, this is a, it's a full-time job doing this stuff. And now I'm kind of leaning back going, I just need to put up work yes. that I love and that connects with people and have that be enough. Mm. It's interesting, like talking about know, like know your audience, hey, to a certain point, right? Like, no, I mean, you never know whose eyes are out there. 100%. But, but it's, it's Sam Blake, like saying something like that, where she, she kind of understands her audience. And, and I guess maybe it's from just listening, right? Listening to them, you know, asking them questions. I guess you can really, I mean, when I think of Ollie's work, when I think of your work, dude, I'm always like, man, creative, nostalgic, timeless story like that my my things and then i always think in my head like is he replaceable like can someone else do what he is creating and my first answer to that is no okay cool well he would be my photographer because there is no other ollie alternative out there to compare i believe because you've been so honed in on your creativity and and probably true to your guns or at least what we see on the those platforms you know that's so interesting because it, it also makes me think, well, if I, you know, maybe I could be <laughs> replaced. Like I think mm. immediately like, you know, what narrative are doing in the culling space and yes. going, yeah. we're not heading, we're very close. We're already there now. Like, you know, this is an experiment I want to do. We're already there where you could shoot and it gets culled and edited while you're driving home by robots. Like that's not a fantasy. The tech is there yeah. right now. And it's only up from here. It's only better as we like solve problems of like what what is storytelling and detecting telephoto yeah. to wide angle and then yes. like it makes you wonder where's that gonna go and how do like storytellers who care about great stories stay mm. on the edge and that's the question that I try and ask myself it's like what are things I can put out now that are harder to do that are you know slightly different or polarizing or whatever mainly for my own enjoyment though like let's be honest there's not maybe a business case for being different. And I think that's another thing too, that is um, you can build a great business, whether you're either the same as everyone else or completely different. Like a business doing well is far more complex than just being different. I think yes. so. I don't do, I don't do these to, you know, fire a rocket up my businesses ass. Like my business yes. is doing well. I'm, I'm really happy with it, but um, there's not a huge value prop in being different for the sake of being different, I guess. Mm. Mm. it's something that I love doing and my couples love me more for it. So I feel like I get a stronger relationship yeah, sure. with the people I work for because of it. Mm. But then, I don't know, everyone's so different, you know. I look at Madeline Kate's work and it's like looking at bloody rainbows on the page and all of her couples are so happy. She, I'm like going, man, I need to do more of that. And, you know, that's why, <laughs> that's why I try not to look at Instagram because it's like yeah, we go in that rabbit hole. From the outside in, I mean, if I seen that with Ollie, I'd be like, what? Yeah, I mean, I think most of the audience would be like, huh, I don't get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> why is this, you know, why is a person in a, a shopping cart getting pushed oh, down yes. like this? Yeah, you know, like just confetti flying everywhere. But when you see your work, like you see see that. And I think the audiences know that. And a lot of photographers I speak to, Ollie, that know your work, you know, that they, they, they love you for creating it. And I think like, dude, that the Bible, there's this like new educational space that you've created, man, like, I mean, fuck. Like, I, I don't even need to talk. It's probably the only Instagram account that I ever want to follow right now, to be honest, man. It's fresh. I love it. You should at least follow like the grumpy cat one as well. <laughs> oh, hold on. Have you, is this yours? No. <laughs> no. Okay. That's <laughs> not mine. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me, huh? I'm excited for the account. I think like the goal is for it to be in 12 months time to be like just this library of like, awesome yeah. quick punchy free takeaways you know that then i'd be stoked with it so it seems yeah man i think everyone needs to get it in their hands 100 mixed messages open it up on the way to a wedding feeling down open it up have a flick through 
like and you just refer it's it's like these um what have I got next it's where is it it's not here yet it's in the cupboard but it's like those um affirmations like our affirmation cards every morning like flip it over read it and just be like you're enough or something like that you know like take a breath and like I love I mean cost 20 bucks for those affirmation cards and they've been around the hundred times you know circle recycled multiple times and I'm like every morning I look forward to flipping that and just reading it and just being like, yeah, let's look at that before I look at socials or something like that. I'm just like that. Yeah. Sometimes and they call a friend like I did today. Like it said, call an old time friend. So I called an old time friend. He's like, why are you calling? <laughs> you know, like, it's like, oh <laughs> shit. I'm so, dude, this affirmation thing told me to, right? <laughs> <laughs> this card I read told me to, I will go now. <laughs> like, no. How great is that? And that comes down to like, it's putting the how first. Yeah. It's like, no, no, I'm just going to pick up this deck of cards <laughs> and just, <laughs> Literally, he, he answered and he was like, hey. And I'm like, hey, mate. And he's like, uh, why are you calling? I was like, just to see how you're doing. He's like, haven't spoke to you for five years. I was like, yeah, I just thought I'd call an old friend. And it was just like silence. And I'm like, guess things are good, huh? And he's like, yeah, man, good. Got to go. I was like, cool, bro. That was awesome chatting. See you later, man. <laughs> I was hoping there'd be like this like... Like, yeah. no, there wasn't fireworks, man. No reason yeah. not. But uh, yeah, he's probably shocked, man. He's probably at work, called him. He's probably like, what the fuck? Yeah. Was like, but spoke to you since the army, man. Now. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. He's probably thinking like, hmm, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's true. Cool. Calling back. I didn't have time today. Like, I'm not going to read into that because he might just been busy, man. I didn't speak. I, I was in the army with him 10 years ago, right? So like... It's probably in Iraq and I'll probably call him. He's probably getting shot right now. So, you know, I would, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Shouldn't say that. Shouldn't say that. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not. Hey. I, I love that. I love that arc. Yeah. <laughs> but should I just text him? Really, Are you in Iraq? You in <laughs> yeah. Are you in Iraq? Is that why you couldn't speak? <laughs> <laughs> hey Ollie, mate, I appreciate your time, man. I know um it's the second time being on this podcast and the educational space that I see now, man. Like I'm just so so glad it's out there in the world. I think this is gonna be something there for a long time. And what you're doing, dude, is fucking incredible. Like it, it inspires me. Everything I see on your Instagrams, man, next level. So um thank you, man. I will link out to all, all the stuff that we've mentioned today. But if you could just let the listeners know where the best place is that they can find you, man. Dude, strangeatlas.co and everything kind of fans off there. Briar's Atlas, Atlas Hibu, this Atlas, the other. <laughs> and don't spell, don't spell Sanson wrong or you might listen to his music and it probably not <laughs> you, but... Uh, we might see a wicked uh, dirt biker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. Hey, I appreciate you for being on here, mate. And um, yeah, hope you and, uh, get through this COVID down in Melbourne through through and through. And uh, Yeah, mate. I'll get down appreciate to that you. Pop. And like what you're building here for the community is freaking radical, man. Like, Vice versa, bro. Vice versa, man. I'm about to check out with 100 mixed messages right now. Ah, uh, you're the boss. Always, bro. All right, we'll chat soon, my man. Fuck yeah. Yeah.